Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Welcome into another Victory Monday edition of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It is episode number 487. KB coming at you from Underground Studios, joined by now recurring guest host. He's been on the show multiple times. He's in studio here. We just had a loaded NLL weekend. The one and only Deej is in studio, hosting the main show. I think the last time you hosted the main show, Deej, in studio, uh, we had Nick Castellanos fighting with Jim Salisbury and Jamie Apodi and Matt Gelb fighting with each other, and that all led to the Phillies going to the World Series. So, <laughs> Yep, yep. That, uh, that was way back. Uh, it's about August. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So you're back on the main pod. Uh, doing the damn thing. We got a lot of Eagles to talk about. We're going to touch on some Philly uh, winter meeting stuff as the winter meetings are underway now. And uh, hopefully, I texted him. We're recording this pretty late at night, but uh, I texted Pat Pitts to get his uh, Week 14 Power Rankings presented by Trophy Smack. Um, but before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash uh, Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Deej on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Goes a long way for the show to continue to grow in the trajectory we think it can. And we got some big things coming your way in the new year, so you don't want to miss out on it. And the best way to support us from that aspect is to subscribe to the pod feed and subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at underground sports, Philadelphia. You get full video episodes of all your favorite underground sports, Philadelphia podcasts. That includes two times a week underground sports. That includes the, again, the whole podcast top bins streamer season and the outside the box podcast with DJ myself. So go subscribe. You get Eagles enemies as well. During football season for high school, you get the Dan Russo show and we might have some big things coming pretty, pretty soon. Pretty, pretty soon on the YouTube. So go subscribe. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon. Comment down below your thoughts on the Birds win uh, this week over the Titans. And uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, before we dive into everything Go get your merch. PHIapparel.co is the website. Code Underground for 10% off. Any merch, including our merch, which new merch should be up. Hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this, we got some kick-ass new stuff coming to our storefront with our partners at PHI Apparel Company because 
when you're rocking their unique designs, there's no doubt you're going to stand out in the crowd, at the bar, at the games, wherever you may be. You're going to stand out with the unique designs from PHI Apparel Company. And uh, they've got some great stuff. Shout out to Alex. She repped the uh, always open AJ Brown shirt this week uh, during the game for his revenge game. So go to phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any order of apparel when you shop at phiapparel.co. That's code UNDERGROUND for 10% off from our awesome merch partners, PHI Apparel Company. What's going on, Deech? What up? I mean, hey. You met Matt tonight. You were living the dream. I did, in fact, get to meet Matt. That is one more person I can scratch off the list of uh, underground that I know is not simply just a face through a screen and and some social media apps so um still a long list of <laughs> of underground people i gotta get through but somehow both our squads pulled out wins today so victory monday it is victory monday the birds get a big dub over the titans who a lot of people online going into this game during the week and then today before the game were like oh this is a scheduled loss scheduled loss for the eagles there's no scheduled losses in any sport. You play for a result. There's no scheduled loss. The Eagles proved that. They kicked the shit out of the Tennessee Titans. It was almost like Derrick Henry didn't even play. He had 30 rushing yards in this game. A.J. Brown, big-time revenge game. Devontae Smith was fantastic. Jalen Hurts was off the charts. Again, boosting that MVP candidacy. I think it's. I think he's the front runner now, especially after everything that happened in Kansas City, which we'll touch on a little bit just for the MVP discussion. But Jalen Hurts was fantastic. Everyone wants to say, "Oh, make make him beat you with his arm." He threw for almost 400 yards today. I mean, again, I, I've said this all season. I've said it specifically like the last month. I don't know what anyone else who is doubting Jalen Hurts wants him to do to prove them wrong. Like. He just he continues to put up, the people shut up, and then they continue to nag about him. Uh, he's he's clearly a a top two MVP candidate. However you want to dice it up, I think he's the front runner. He led his team to victory again today, even with the refs. You know, you were watching the game with me, OG and CFO. Uh, you know, a gazillion penalties, and they still won by a gazillion. I mean that that game ended and all of the four all of the four o'clock games were starting. Yes, longest think, game ever. I think that like there was like five minutes in between the end of that game and the four twenty five kickoff. <sighs> like it was insane how long that game took because there was a penalty on every single play. It was like ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't know. They need to, the NFL needs to look at that officiating crew. Man, just just in general because any it was bad little, on both if sides, somebody not sneezed. even just. Yeah, not even just on the Eagles. It was it was on both sides. It was it was terrible. I'm gonna see how many penalties were called in that game. The throwing thing is interesting. You know? He Yeah, he threw for a bunch today, but I mean even look a week ago he didn't throw for that much. You know, when he when he's playing But then he beats you with his legs. I mean, yeah, but that that's what I think I makes an, him I don't have an argument with you know, I don't have a problem with that, but it's like if he runs into a team that has a complete defense like the Eagles has, what is he going to do? If he has a, if he runs into a team with a decent secondary, 
is he going to be able to perform? Like, if they can stop the run and have a half-decent secondary, can he perform? I think so. I'm just trying to find these penalty numbers it's here. Just, it's, it's just interesting. That's that's my thing is found them. I have seen him struggle against better pass defenses, but they also normally cannot stop the run. So it doesn't necessarily matter. But if they were to face an all-around defense, what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking here just at Jalen Hurts' last. Let's go back to post-buy. So from week eight on. Against the Steelers, 285 pass yards, four passing touchdowns, ran for 10 yards, so he didn't really have to use his legs, beat the Steelers with his arm. Against the Houston Texans, Thursday night football, 243 pass yards, two passing touchdowns, ran for 23 yards, and a two-point conversion. Washington, uh, which was the one loss, 175 pass yards, two passing touchdowns, one of his rare interceptions, ran for 28 yards, and scored a touchdown on the ground as well. So even in a loss... Scoring three touchdowns as a quarterback, like, did it both ways. Pretty solid. Um, and then after that was the Colts where he put the team on his back, won the game in that final drive that the Eagles had the ball with him. Uh, 190 pass yards, 86 rush yards, two overall touchdowns. And then against your Packers, broke all types of NFL records uh, with 157 on the ground, 153 in the air, two passing touchdowns. And then today, final stats, uh, 380 pass yards, 12 rushing yards, four total touchdowns, three through the air, one on the ground. And then the penalties, just to circle back to that, Titans 7 for 82 yards, Eagles 12 for 80 yards. 19 penalties. It's insane. That's There's no need for that in an NFL game unless something absolutely like ridiculous is happening. I wonder if they went into that game thinking to keep the composure and manage the game. And that may have been Cause man. part of it. Cause like, I mean, you, you, there was a lot going on in that game. There was some emotion from both sides and, and respects of, you know, free agency and trading and all of that jazz and how people felt with revenge games. And just, I, I really wonder about that a lot because refs have started to take that into notice, not even just the professional level and, and really like a lot of levels and, they're trying to manage the game from the beginning because they understand if they don't do it, then it's too late. And like it, and it's on them at some point because the funniest yes, part to us though, was it wasn't even like emotional penalties. It no, was like anytime an offensive no. lineman moved, like you Tinkerbell could have landed on their nose and sprinkled a little pixie dust. And if they would have said a chew, that was a penalty on the offensive line. On both sides, too. Like, for both the Titans and the Eagles, it was 99% of those penalties were false start penalties on the offensive line. Which, I I mean, I get it because you, you got you to gotta sit still as somebody who's played both sides on both that offensive and that defensive line. Like, once that ball is set, you, you got to sit there. Defense gets a little more leeway as far as moving side to side and – and all of that, but once that ball is set, you got to be set too. It, it's a tough position to be in, but I, I did think it was a little tight in in that respect. But also, the Jalen Hurts false start 
made no sense. <laughs> I have so many questions. Because, <laughs> like, I didn't even see anything happen on that play, first of all. Like, to preface all of that, we were watching and then they showed the replay. I had no idea what they called. <laughs> I mean, I knew they called. Like, we knew start. they called that, but it was like, where is that coming from? And I mean, you, like, you literally can't call a false start in the quarterback unless he's lined up as a receiver. So I don't understand how Jalen Hurts was called. Yeah, unless the quarterback, start. like, hikes the ball, the ball doesn't get hiked, and they move backwards. But that's not a false start. <laughs> like, that's the only, like, way that I could see somebody being like, okay, I'm calling a flag for a false start and blaming the quarterback. But they can't. Because, right. But you're that's just the stepping, only, like... You're just stepping back into shotgun. It's so, like, hilarious. It's, it's, you literally cannot call a false start on a quarterback unless they are lined up out at receiver. So like, let's see. I'm gonna look that up. Like, I mean, that's just common sense because you're allowed to shift as a quarterback in really whatever way you want, and and step to your offensive line and say what you want. Like, I think it's a five yard box because short gun is like two and a half, long gun is five, and I think within that five yard tackle box, obviously tight end. And then five yard deep, you're allowed to step, talk, direct traffic within that box and not be called for a false start as a quarterback. So, apparently you can call a false start on a quarterback, according to NFL rules. Here's the explanation. QB is allowed to move hands and feet to change play, signal motion for players, change protections, etc. Stuff like that. Quarterback can't make sudden movements such as Quick head shifts or hand shifts that would signal to the defense that the play is starting and no snap is happening. That's how they can commit a false start and it'd be classified as one. I get that. Where you like try to, like if a quarterback's like trying to dupe somebody to draw them off sides, like with a hand or head motion, then nothing happens. Like, I can understand that. But, like, even on that Jalen Hurts play, though, Hard count? Happened. Question right. mark? Hard count is, but you're not moving, like, your head or your hands. You're just, like, yelling loud. I mean, quarterbacks in the gun literally move their hands for the hard count. So, like, I don't understand. If they can move them back there, why can't they move them on the line? You can't pick and choose when to call it. I mean, obviously they do. But, like... Enforce the rule if you're going to enforce On that it. specific play, though, there was, like, nothing that would have conclusively at all even but, deemed that a false start. Yeah, either way. Like, but regardless, the Eagles won 35-10 and kicked the shit out of a team that everyone was like, oh, they're a good team. And now I guarantee this week everyone's going to be like, oh, the Titans are washed. They're a bad team. Guarantee it because the Eagles beat them. They, The NFL media is going to find a way to just downplay this Eagles win because they've done that every week. I doubt it. No, trust this me. This is will. the first like above five hundred team you guys have beat outside of the NFC North. Or sorry, the NFC East. What? The Vikings, if you guys have played them? Beat the Vikings. But does that really count? Because they're playing in the NFC North. Yeah, I think it counts. I don't. The NFC North as an NFC Norfer, it sucks. We beat the outside Vikings outside of the Vikings, who also suck. We beat Dallas. Sucks. <laughs> They're Dallas. They're a playoff team. 
They're Dallas. They're a playoff team, though. And we beat the it, Titans. This has been the worst NFC ever. Ever. It Cowboys, sucks. Cowboys are 9-3 and three now. And the rest of the NFC? The NFC East runs the NFC, baby. And everybody else? It's, uh, it's the NFC East. And then the Vikings that are like the teams that are. My point. There's no validity in this NFC this hey, year. I'm just saying. Y'all still the worst conference in the NFL. No. You don't think it's real suspicious that the rest of the NFC is bad while y'all are good? No. You don't think that's re- like that's uberly suspicious? Not really. Look not at mean, the- not, not necessarily y'all, but the whole co- your whole division is finally good at football. I wouldn't say good. They've just I I think the Giants have gotten lucky, especially early in the season. They got lucky. The Commanders are just playing off of dumb, stupid luck with that dork Taylor Heineke. The Cowboys are a legitimately like solid football team this year, and they're going to ruin it when they sign OBJ and mess up their chemistry. You heard it here first. Um, I thought the Bills were going to get him. I mean, that's what I'm manifesting mm-hmm. because it would just be hilarious on the timeline. But you look at the rest of the NFC, like everyone's like surprised that the NFC is like quote unquote down, and some of the AFC teams are down. Look at the teams who have been like on this reign of terror over the last five years. The quarterbacks got old, everyone. Oh, here you go with this. Actually. I'm not even saying I'm not even no, saying they just, your quarterback. The rest of their teams suck. The the legitimate like reign of terror quarterbacks, you look at Matthew Stafford last year with the Rams. Injured. He's Stafford probably had, done. You call him a reign of terror? With the Rams last year. The Rams as a team have been on a reign of terror. The NFL been on a reign of terror. The Tom Brady got his powers taken away by Giselle. He, Old. He never had none. Uh, That's my opinion. The Saints have not had a quarterback option, which I'm thankful for because we have their first round pick. Uh, and are just like letting Jameis Winston sit on the sideline and continuing to play Andy Dalton like they're tanking when they don't even have their first round pick. The Panthers are a dumpster fire to begin with. And then you look at the rest of the NFC. I'm just trying to think. I mean, the Seahawks have been fun. They've been they've been like the fun quirky team and Geno Smith has like had a like You better be careful. Comeback player of the decade you, type season. You, you better be careful. The Cardinals are a shit show and got the hard knocks curse. Uh, who's the other team? Uh, the 49ers were pretty legit, and then today Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, and he's done for the year because he broke his foot. So they don't have a quarterback now, and they're going to have to ride that defense, which I still think is very legit, but you got to see how long a Mr. Irrelevant, I found that out today too, scrolling the timeline, the guy who started for them today oh, I know. was the 2022 Mr. Irrelevant, uh, and they also signed Josh Johnson off the Broncos practice squad for his third stint with the 49ers. You don't have a quarterback now, so you got to see how long that defense can hold up. Packers traded their best player. Oh, I know. <laughs> the Bears are bad. The Lions are, like, quirky bad. And that's the NFC. You, you just proved my point. It sucks. And then y'all just so happen to be at the top of it. All y'all. The reign, Interesting. Of, the reign of terror quarterbacks, though, got old. No! Their teams, yeah! their teams suck. They've been old for years. They I'll just say the, good teams the Rams are bad because they sold their souls for a Super Bowl, too. Okay. And the Packers gave away all their good players. The Rams. Or uh, uh, the Bucks 
literally got rid of like all their good offensive offensive linemen. They didn't get know. they didn't get rid of them. They all got hurt. I don't know what happened, dude. They all got They're, hurt. That's okay. that's a big issue with them, like offensively. Like their offensive line got decimated in the preseason and during the regular season, and Brady lost all of his powers from Giselle. I, I don't think that. I literally think it's that's more just about a fun TikTok line. theory. It is, and I love it. But but it is the offensive line because like yeah, it, he's getting destroyed. They have no run game because of it, and they still have like very legitimate offensive weapons in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But when you have no protection to get them the ball, right, it's going to result in I what you have. I take them out of the equation, but like when you look at everyone else, they literally just threw their teams away. So like. Of course, you guys are good because you guys are the and only the Fal- ones I forgot the Falcons are like quirky fun, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I can't tell you last time I watched a Falcons game. They they just stick around in every game until been, the end, and then they find a way to choke it. It's just been years since I've watched a Falcons game. <laughs> I actually don't think I've seen one since they lost in the Super Bowl. Because who wants to watch that? Like. It, it, like because they, the Falcons are that team like you just watch to see the new way that they lose a game. That sounds fun for you. Maybe I'll get around to it one day. They did it today. They were beating the Steelers and they found a way to lose that game. I mean, yeah, when you got Marcus Mariota as your quarterback, you're, you're only bound to win so many games. And they have a rookie chilling on the bench. Yeah, shout out, hey, shout out to the NFC East GMs. They got it together. They're the only ones who decided to keep their team because. That's the only reason you guys are at the top. The but team, you also look at all of the... The NFC teams who made the least amount of change this year are all the ones who are at the top. You also look at the teams who are, like, succeeding right now, and for the most part, eliminate the Cowboys because they paid Dak, and they paid Zeke stupidly. Um, I mean, you look at the Giants, who have stumbled upon some dumb luck, in my opinion, but... Again, rookie quarterback contract. Jalen Hurts, rookie quarterback contract. Taylor Heineke is on a vet minimum, I think, or some sort or something close to. I forget what they signed him to last year, uh, and they are doing that, even inheriting that doofus Carson Wentz contract. Uh, Gino, I think, is on a vet minimum contract for the Seahawks, um, and they didn't inherit anything like damaging to their cap with drew lock when they traded away russell wilson which was arguably one of the smartest trades of the last decade in the nfl uh jimmy g was on a like restructured contract for the 49ers plus they had trey lance on a rookie contract kyler got paid and that's kind of hindered the the cardinals defensively for sure in terms of who they've been able to sign and why their defense stinks uh, the Rams, like I said, sold their souls. And then Falcons are the Falcons. The Panthers stink and just have like four quarterbacks who are not that good. New Orleans, I have no idea what they're doing. Uh, Kirk just has Minnesota in a hypnotization with his contract and everything. Uh, Rogers restructured right on the contract he signed. Oh yeah, and then well, I don't know who restructured. Goff's on a weird deal, but I think he's a free agent at the end of the year for the Lions anyway. He is a free agent, and then Justin Fields' rookie contract. So I mean, you look at all the teams that are have been able to make moves, have made moves, and or 
are succeeding this year have quarterbacks that are either on a vet minimum or a rookie wage scale. That's the NFL now, though. So the GMs suck. That's the NFL. You have to... If, if you want to win in the NFL, you have to build your entire roster around having a, a rookie or a vet minimum, like a good, like stumble upon like a Geno Smith or like what the Eagles did with Nick Foles and having him on like a very minimum contract that doesn't hinder you the rest of your roster. So you can go and get superstar players and build out your entire roster. Or just have a solid GM who can get you a star quarterback and pay him, but also go get him weapons. Because, like, it's possible. We've seen it happen before. GMs just don't want to do it for whatever reason. But we've also seen that backfire this year with Russell Wilson. Because everyone said, Broncos roster looked ready to roll. You add Russell Wilson preseason. Who? You'd be surprised. This preseason, when they traded for Russ, they were like, oh, the Broncos are going to win that division. Got me sound like an owl in here. I'm not even kidding you. Because that roster ain't ready for nothing. They never were loaded. Ready for, no, they weren't. That defense is still very talented. Okay, sure, but the offense? They have weapons out the ass. Who? Cortland Sutton, stud. Average. Jerry Judy, everyone expected with Russell Wilson and him allegedly being able to throw mm-hmm. the deep ball. Jerry Judy was going to take that next step, but Russ stinks, so Jerry Judy suffered. Tim Patrick got hurt, so that was unfortunate. I still think Tim Patrick's a very solid third wide receiver. K.J. Hamler was, again, supposed to be in that Jerry Judy camp of Russell Wilson's ability to throw the deep ball, making him better. And then we see what happens. Russell Wilson has absolutely backfired and been an absolute mistake for the Broncos. But, I mean, that wide receiver core ain't stellar. Like, that's not like, oh, my God. Right, but I'm saying from the perspective of you're bringing in that superstar quarterback – who's supposed to elevate the players around him, and Russ has fallen flat on his face. Well, I'm looking at it as you need, like, star receivers. Now, those guys aren't star receivers. But I'm, like, I'm thinking of a, a Buffalo right now or a Rams last year, uh, Chiefs the last couple years, the Bucks last few years, like, that's what I mean when I say go get a star quarterback and then get him a bunch of weapons. Like Chris Godwin, Gronk, and and Chris and Mike Evans are weapons versus Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, and Jerry Judy. Like everybody's taking that first set over the well, over of the course. Line. Like that's what I mean. I'm by going that. off like, your argument though of like going and getting a star quarterback. I mean even even Russell Wilson. But, like, you can go get a star quarterback, but at the end of the day, it still comes down to that GM having the right weapons. These GMs are not putting the right people around these teams, which is why you're seeing the NFC East do so well this year because these GMs were the only ones who built their teams. Everybody else let their teams just go this year. Literally everyone in the NFC just let their team go. Plus everyone got old. I mean, sure, a little bit of that, but, I mean, I think those guys have been old. Like, Rodgers has been playing for how long? Brady has been playing for how long? Stat like they've been doing what they've been doing for five years, six years, seven years. They've been this old. They just don't have the teams around them that they used to have, and that's why they're not good. Like Rodgers hasn't done anything this year that he hasn't done the last six years, other than not get hurt. He just doesn't have one of the best wide. Re- he doesn't have the best wide receiver in the NFL. 
I don't. You can say what you want. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He just doesn't have a good quarterback this year. Who do I blame? Brian Gutekunst. Because it always goes back to the GM. He's making the decisions with the money. He's putting out the contract. He's deciding who signs and who doesn't. There's also far fewer good GMs in the NFL than there are good players. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that from a perspective of, oh, there's only 32 GMs in the NFL. No. Like, there's only like... There's like five Four good and a GMs. half that are good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they all suck. And the Eagles have one of them. Howie season. Proud of Hey, proud of you guys. Uh, I do have the Pat Pitts Power Rankings. It's brought to you by our friends over at Trophy Smack. Uh, guys, the best way to upgrade your fantasy smack talk is with our friends over at Trophy Smack. They've got new metal wall art. To upgrade your fantasy smack talk, they've got loser trophies, they've got winner trophies, belts, rings, you name it, they got it. Go to trophysmack.com slash underground now and upgrade your fantasy smack talk. That's trophysmack.com slash underground to go upgrade your smack talk. I'm going to go from uh, bottom to top here for Pitts' power rankings. Uh, last week, for reference here, Pitts' power rankings look like this, so we'll compare who has gone in and who has gone out. Uh, so last week's power rankings for Pitts from 1 to 10 were the Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Bills, Dolphins, Titans, Commanders, Jaguars, Seahawks, and Patriots. Those were the Patty Pitts power rankings. This week, number 10, the Titans. Number 9, the Seahawks. Number 8, the Dolphins. Very funny. Number 7, a tie between the Giants and Commanders. Uh, number six, the Dallas Cowboys. Number five, the Detroit Lions. Number four, the Minnesota Vikings. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, I don't understand how the Eagles fell, but the Eagles. And number one is the Buffalo Bills. Deed, your thoughts. I don't know how the Titans make 10. Agreed. That was like my biggest thing with that. The Lions have five. I don't hate it. I'm not a Lion hater. I think the NFL hates the Lions. That's that's my take on that. The NFL just won't allow, uh, won't allow the Lions to be good. Like the Lions just are not allowed to be good. There's a five-year period NFL. after paying Calvin Johnson that has to clear. <laughs> nah, it ain't even that, bro. It's It's been long before that. Well, the Calvin Johnson thing was definitely part of – fun uh conspiracy quirky like thing why the lions have been bad because they didn't allow their superstar generational talent player to get a million dollars and made him pay it back i don't think that it, they didn't want him to go and play where he should have played with aaron Rodgers oh, and won a bunch of championships <laughs> that's really what that goes back to I just don't understand how Pitts has the Eagles moving down, but because he he a hater, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, He's still mad about Big Boy Nick, but other than that, I pretty much agree. I don't, I don't think he's ever gonna get over that tough scene. <laughs> he had the Eagles number one last week, but that's the Pat Pitts power rankings. Um, Chiefs lose today. 
to the Cincinnati Bengals. I have been on the record saying to Matt, to Pitts, Jalen Hurts wins the MVP this year as long as the Eagles finish with the best record in the NFL. Because right now it's been like a, a heavyweight title every single week. It's between Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and then kind of, you know, on that third rung podium is Tua. Dolphins lose today. Tua falls back even more in my opinion. Um, Tua's had a very underrated, like, under the not underrated, under the radar type of season. Sure, but over Josh Allen? Yeah. Dolphins beat him head-to-head right now. Sure, but that doesn't mean that... Dolphins are also 8-0 and in games that Tua started and finished. I, I still don't care. <laughs> like, Tua's not good. That's I mean, crazy. Okay. That's okay. crazy. Okay, he's good, but, like, he's not, like, MVP good. He's not. That's why I said he's third, and, and it's a he's distant not third. A, a far distant third. Like, he shouldn't even be in the conversation over Josh Allen. Like, seriously. Eh, Josh Allen has not had the best Josh Allen year. That doesn't mean he's not still Josh Allen, and he's not still doing Josh Allen things. Like, you put two in that Buffalo offense, I don't think he's producing the same way Josh Allen does. I don't. Put him behind that Buffalo offensive line, he is. But I also think if you put Josh Allen down in Miami, he plays better than Tua does. But it's hard but this to isn't say about Tua. <laughs> those are ifs and hypotheticals. I just the Tua just doesn't have it for me. Jalen Hurts took another step forward to being the MVP this week, in my opinion. Chiefs losing hurts Patrick Mahomes a little bit, and the big caveat, in my opinion, that's going to be the big determination is the Eagles finishing with the best record because that's going to be what. Puts it over the top for a lot of the voters. And the way I'm looking at this is from putting myself in the mind of the MVP voters, which we all know is all weird and subjective to whoever is voting. And I think that's going to be the one way that all season where Jalen Hurts has been doubted by a number of people, including, you know, the Pro Football Writers Association writers who vote on the MVP, him finishing with the best record is going to be. The thing that like puts the scale. It's like, oh, they've been, you know, going back and forth. That puts the extra, you know, pebble on that side of the scale for Jalen Hurts on the resume to be like, okay, he carried his team to the best record in the NFL. Not that he's like dragging them because everybody on this team has been fantastic, but I think that's what gives Jalen Hurts the edge over Patrick Mahomes at the end of the season is if the Eagles finish with the best record. Now they're they have a two game lead on the Chiefs. I guess other than my problem being. Because right now, if the season ended today, the Chiefs aren't even the one seed in the AFC because the Bills have the tiebreaker. Oh, yeah, I'm aware. Um, At the end of the day, to me, it comes down to like truly being the most valuable. Whose team? And I guess in that point, maybe Tua is MVP. But like, that's, that's why I don't like any, really a lot of these awards. Like, outside of like offensive player of the year and stuff like that, those are the only awards that are done right because they're looking so like those ones are looking solely at production. Who was the best at production? There you go. But like MVP is not literally most valuable. Like it should be like, even you know, when you look at other sports, you look at like basketball, for example, like they're just going to pick the person who is on the best team that, you know, with the best stats on the best team. Oh, trust me. We that know is, that all too well. That is not the MVP. <laughs> we know that all too well. That here. is just the best player that year. The MVP is the person that if you take them away from that team, 
that team suffers the most without that person. Like that is how I see that award to be given out. So it's like tough to say how much Philadelphia would miss with Jalen Hurts. We have. I think it. I think the Eagles would not even be close to eleven and one without Jalen Hurts. But we don't know that. I mean, that's anybody though. Because you we, take anybody off of any team, you don't know that because you haven't seen them without them. I mean, I do. I have seen the Packers without Aaron Rodgers multiple times. And I know exactly what's that, what that's going to look like. Yeah, but I'm saying you take Jalen Hurts off of this team the way this team's been playing, a lot of it has I been because of him. I think just fine. I don't think so. I think they are just fine. They're not 11-1 and one fine, though, and top seed in the NFC. I think they're top seed in the NFC fine. I disagree. Because who else in the NFC? The Cowboys back. would be leading the division. <laughs> the Cowboys ain't that good. The Cowboys would be leading the division. The Cowboys ain't that good. They're literally just getting without Jalen Hurts. I think you're realizing how much I hate the NFL. The NFL is so rigged. I'm saying without Jalen Hurts on this team, there's no way the Eagles are 11 and one. There's no shot. I can't say that because the Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now, and Ab- everyone is playing like the best. So I can't say that they wouldn't continue to do that. With 85 percent of the reason, especially on the offensive side. And from a leadership perspective, it's Jalen Hurts being on this team. I mean, you t- taking him off the field doesn't take away his leadership. So people are still going to be listening to him. Sure. Still going to be trying to play 65% for him, to- of that hey. is on the field and Jalen Hurts not being on the field. You're telling me Gardner Minshew's leading this team to 11-1? and one? I don't think so. What Taylor Heineke doing with them? I don't think them, so. With them commanders? Yeah, with the most basic game plan ever that Stevie, yeah, are, Stevie Wonder are, could are, tell you. Are they winning? Stevie Wonder could Are tell you. Are they winning? No, they're tying. No, that's they're one, tying. That's one game. They tied one game today, but they've been winning before that, right? Seven, five, and one. How how many L's Taylor Heineke got though? He is. I think he four zero oh, and one. No, he's five one and one. That sounds fantastic to me. Jalen Hurts off of this roster, the Eagles are and not Gardner eleven Mitchell's and one. Better than Taylor Heineke. And everybody playing on this Eagles team is far better than everybody playing on that Commanders team. So your point? This Eagles team is not eleven and one without Jalen Hurts. I don't know. I bet not, my life on maybe that. not eleven and one, but I still think they're the best team. There in it the is. NFC. I still think they're the best team. In the I NFC. disagree. The Cowboys are not that good. That's y'all wild. still y'all still beat the Cowboys even without Jalen Hurts. Y'all do. I don't think so. They're, the Cowboys defense, defense is very good. So is yours. Y'all have the best defense in the NFL. Your fucking point. Like that right we there. We don't have the best defense in the NFL. Who does? I don't know. The Eagles run defense is not the best defense in the NFL, which drags their entire defense down. Eh. The Eagles run defense you, going into you today's talk, game. You talking you talking statistically. Going I'm, into today's game, the Eagles pass defense, yes. Arguably best in the NFL. Run defense. Is very below average. You are talking statistically. Right. I am talking pure what gets done. You guys have the best defense in the NFL because you are 10 and 1. You win games. Who wins games? Defenses. That's why they say defenses win championships. Because at the end of the day, they are making the stops they need to make. You have the best defense in the NFL. And that is why you are winning. Because everyone in that locker room wants to win. So even if Jalen Hurts wasn't playing, I do still think you're the best team in the NFC because nobody in that, nobody wants to win more than the Eagles want to win. 
I'll tell Nobody you right now. Nobody in the NFL wants to win more than the Eagles want to win. Eagles don't win that Colts game without Jalen Hurts. A one-point game where he needed to take the team down the field on his back to win it. So one game. They obviously already lost the Commanders game with Jalen Hurts. Obviously, a lot went into that outside of the gameplay. So, still the best record in the NFC right now. I don't know if they win that Arizona game without Jalen Hurts. One by three. You just said Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are awful, so why not? Won that game by three points with Jalen Hurts. Had to grind to win that game. Cowboys, I don't know how that game goes without Jalen Hurts. Won it 26-17. to 17. And then opening game of the season against the Lions. Had to keep your foot on the gas pedal the entire game against them because the defense let the Lions back into the game. The Lions are worse than the Falcons when it comes to losing games. Trust me on that one. Yeah, but the Lions put up most of their damage in the fourth quarter. It's fine. They still lost. That's four games right there. The Lions the Lions do that consistently. But I, don't that's think f- you, I don't think you would. The Lions will lose for three and a half quarters of the game. Sure. Three and three quarters of the game because a quarter of the fourth quarter is the best part of Lions football ever. I'm saying they're going to put up like 20 points and they're going to make you think they're going to win and then they're going to blow it. You That's take Jalen Hurts out of those four games, the Eagles do not have wins in those games because he did things in those games to carry the Eagles to victory. And it was solely on his back. Mm, I've seen a lot of passes in that. Like, I, football is too much of a team sport to say that. There are other sports where you can say Right, but you also need that. talent across the board. And you taking Jalen Hurts' talent off the field. But you have talent everywhere else. And replacing is, that, for the sake of this argument, with a Gardner Minshew as the backup, the Eagles are not winning those four games. I'm just, for example, right, since there are a lot of teams playing with their backup quarterbacks right now, let's take every NFL team and put their backup quarterback out there. The Eagles are probably the best team in the NFL. That is the point I'm making. You guys have the best team in the NFL. Yeah. Be happy about it. In part Be because of Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying he isn't and playing this, well. And this is all to go back to the MVP argument, though. And sure, say what you want about MVPs. Take Jalen Hurts off this team. The Eagles are not in the situation they're in right now. Very debatable. You're saying that as a fan, inside out, it's very hard to see outside in. Truly. Watching it every single week and watching the things Jalen Hurts has done this season and seeing the growth he's had. I understand. You're literally watching it. Right, so and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm bringing to this argument. So is You can't believe that if you were to take him out that it would still be that good. But in like outside in, we can see how good the rest of your team is playing, and it very could still be that good. Like, that's all I'm saying. And I'm also putting, like I said, I'm also putting myself in the brain of the voters for these awards and everything, and 90% of them have been doubting Jalen Hurts or nitpicking things that he's done, even doing what he's done. And that's just part of the game. That's part of the game. So he's he's the MVP. I'm not saying he's not going to win it. I'm just saying, for the people, listen, he's the MVP. So if anybody tries to say otherwise, as of right now, they're wrong. He's just not a true MVP in my standards because 
I hold that in such a weird standard. Like, like you truly have to be the most valuable. In, in terms of the NFL and, like, how sports leagues view the MVP, yes, he's it. He's probably – and he should win it, how they view it. If we view it as a true meaning of the word, it would probably go to Tua. Again, with the Tua argument, I think the Dolphins would also have to be in the same situation uh, lesser than what the Eagles are, where the Eagles are going to have to finish with the best record in the NFL. The Dolphins are, for Tua to have that chance, would have to win their division. As like but a, that's a because floor. everybody puts wins and all of that. It, but that does not matter when you're looking at value. When, like, when you're looking at value purely, the what they – what the end result of things doesn't matter at that point because it's about what they truly mean like to that team and like I always go back to like basketball like taking like the Brad has been the MVP so many times over and over even though his stats don't necessarily match it and people are out doing him in certain statistical categories because if you take him off of his team those teams dramatically get worse Let's look at every team LeBron James has ever left the next three, but I'll also say three years after. They're like the worst teams in the NBA. To counterpoint your LeBron argument, I think it's a, a bit different with the NFL compared to an NBA or MLB or NHL. Well, yeah, because, it's, because a, it's a one position. Not even that. There's f- much fewer games, and I think that makes wins. Not that they're a stat that should be kept for quarterbacks, because that's typically what ends up winning the MVP anyway. It's not a stat that should be kept, but I think it does add value to the MVP because there are so fewer games that like you need to win to make it to you know the promised why, land in the but NFL. But why is the quarterback the only one who gets the credit for the win? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't like it. I don't even like it in baseball. I mean, the pitcher gets the credit for the win. Like I get I'll, it, but I don't. Like, I'll give a I'll give an argument for the MVP, like, dark horse. I would even remove Tua from the conversation. His wide receiver should be in the conversation. Tyreek Hill should be in the conversation. He's on pace to break Calvin Johnson's single-season receiving record. But is he... You want to talk about... But like I said, like I was just saying, it's a one-position award, which is also bullshit. But I'm saying, like, if you want to add somebody into the mix that I think this season has been extremely valuable to their team... To the league, Tyreek Hill is in that conversation. I think more than his quarterback. I mean, yeah, but I, if that's the case, I also don't think two is going to win because he's missed games. If that's the case, we go back the last couple of years. Aaron Rodgers really deserved to go to Devontae Adams. I can agree with one of the two. Yeah, I, I agree with both. Of them. I'd give them both to Devontae. Both those years, he led the NFL in receiving touchdowns, and he missed games while doing it. And I think from the argument standpoint of. Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, the reason they get the nod of being the front runners is because both of those guys have been able to not only do things to win games for their teams individually, but they've also spread the ball around to where it hasn't been one guy like connecting with the quarterback. Like they've been able to but like to get me, it to the likes of AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, and then for Mahomes, to- he's taken, you know, the Juju Smith-Schusters of the world, your guy Marquez Valdez-Scantling of the world, he's turned Isaiah Pacheco into a receiving running back and been able to catch things out of the backfield, which a lot of people doubted him coming out of Rutgers being able to do, and obviously he has Travis Kelsey. But he's not He's not doing that. 
they are doing that. Like, that's what I mean when I say that the Eagles are better than other teams. Their receivers are making players that other receivers just won't make. Like, that's not on the quarterback. The quarterback isn't making them do it. That's got to get them the ball, though. I understand he's got to get them the ball, but they have to get open. That's the first half of it. And it's a lot harder to get open than it is to throw that ball. A lot of find them open, too. Sometimes. You know know what I'm saying? Like, people don't give everybody else on the team their credit. I get it. The quarterback is such a big deal. Very important position. Arguably the most important position. But don't discredit everything else that everyone does. And then my nod for Jalen Hurts, though, he's doing it on his own because of what he's doing with his legs. He's not doing it on his own. From the the standpoint of the conversation of the MVP, he's he's finding his guys, getting the offense incorporated across the board, but then he's also taking games into his own hands and winning games with his legs. He's he's breaking NFL records and doing things nobody in NFL history has ever done. I'm not saying he's playing bad. But like, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm, for the for the people listening at home, like this is my argument. Like he's every single week, there's something new that pops up graphic wise on the broadcast. First player in Eagles history, first player in NFL history to do this, 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 and this. He's being mentioned rushing quarterback wise with the likes of Prime Michael Vick and doing things Prime Michael Vick did. Like that was the gold standard forever for the running quarterback and like the the multi-dimensional quarterback and then you know Lamar Jackson came around started doing things that were insane breaking NFL records a lot of people thought Kyler Murray was going to do the same thing he's he's done some fun things but not to that level Jalen Hurts is now entering that conversation doing things that are insane for this new wave of quarterback coming into the NFL and now every team is looking at you know those types of quarterbacks and seeing what the guys in college are doing. It's like, okay, how can I get my hands on the next Jalen hurts, the next, this, the next, that, and like being able to bring that new era to the NFL where these, you know, typical three-step drop pocket passing quarterbacks, they're going by the wayside because of how freak athleticism has taken over the sport of football on both sides of the field. You need somebody who's multidimensional, but I think, it really goes back to the team, not Jalen. Like, yes, Jalen is doing these things, but that's because they have to respect everyone else out there. Like, last year, Jalen wasn't doing the things he's doing this year because they only had to worry about Devontae Smith. Miles Sanders all of a sudden decides to have a halfway decent year. They bring in A.J. Brown. Dallas Goddard is back and healthy. And now there's open space for Jalen to do those things because they have to respect everyone else. I'm not saying Jalen isn't great and he isn't doing his job. Give everybody else their their flowers. And that goes across the NFL, not just the Eagles. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's not just Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end we have ever seen. Ever seen to ever touch the planet of the earth. Every week he just is unguardable. This week is the first week I've seen anybody temporarily slow him down. And he still almost had, I don't know what it ended up being, almost 70 yards, 80 yards as a tight end, almost had a touchdown. Like, that's that's what he brings. Fifty six yards. Fifty six yards on what? Three catches? Uh, four catches? Because he didn't catch four. Didn't catch on the, six or seven uh, targets. And he averages what? I think he leads the. He almost leads the league in in targets because he averages ten or eleven a game because that's like his only receiver. Not really. 
But you know what I'm getting at? Like, he has McCall Hardman on the outside. He has Juju Smith-Schuster, also MVS. And he has two to three talented backs out of the backfield. Like, that isn't taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes. But it's a lot easier for him to spread the ball around or a lot easier for him to scamper and go for a 10 or 15-yard run when he has three or four very talented receivers that the defensive backs have to defend. So now that does leave that space open. He makes it a linebacker miss, and he's got 20 yards to run in front of him. Like, that's very different than what Aaron Rodgers is working with, where he has two very good running backs out of the backfield and a bunch of un, you know, basically no-name receivers that haven't done anything to prove themselves. What is he supposed to work with? How is he supposed to scramble? He can't. They're good. Those receive or those DBs will leave those receivers quicker than white on rice once they see Aaron Rodgers leave the pocket because where is he going to throw it to? He's going to think twice before throwing it to Christian Watson who dropped a wide open pass. He's going to think Man, twice. Christian Watson has seven touchdowns over the last seven weeks though. Exactly. He looks fantastic over the last seven weeks but before that he looked like what? What has Alan Lazard looked like? He's been a number one wide receiver-ish and then the other half of the season he looks exactly like he's been looking which is an arguably a third receiver on the best team on you know the best teams. When you have very good talent around you as a quarterback, it makes it a lot easier to do your job. And I also think if you're a good quarterback, you elevate the talent around you because I think you take as an example, you look at what AJ Brown did with Ryan Tannehill. He elevated Ryan Tannehill's game exponentially because we see what Ryan Tannehill is now with B minus tier wide receivers at best um very similar situation to Aaron Rodgers outside of you know Robert Woods pretty much being talented but being misused by the Titans now you see what Jalen Hurts is able to do with AJ Brown how AJ Brown elevates Jalen Hurts how Jalen Hurts elevates AJ Brown AJ Brown wasn't doing a lot of the things and running a lot of these routes that he's been running this year with Ryan Tannehill he's doing it because Jalen Hurts is quarterback and A.J. Brown, being open and physical and the dominant ball-handling receiver he is, gives Jalen Hurts that trust to be like, okay, my guy's going to go out there and make these catches, go and do these things that I haven't been able to do in my NFL career for the most part outside of you know a few unbelievable catches from Devontae Smith in his rookie year. But they're both two different wide receivers as well. I think very talented quarterbacks elevate the players around them and very talented players around quarterbacks elevate them as well it can go both ways oh 100 percent. i just think it and only, it can go both ways at the same time which is what i think we're seeing with jalen hurts right i just think it's only it only goes so far with the quarterback you know if you have a very great wide receiver but a good quarterback that quarterback is going to get a lot better than a very great quarterback can make a good receiver I think there's situations, though. I mean, yeah, of course there's situations, but like overall, a good quarterback with a great wide receiver is going to get exponentially better than a good wide receiver with a great quarterback because, yeah, he can throw you open or, yeah, he can encourage you to get better, but at the end of the day, you still got to get off the line. You still got to get open. You still have to catch the pass. Like that's down to the wide receiver, but with a great wide receiver who can get off the line, who can shed a block, 
who can catch the ball, who can make a guy miss and run for extra yards, it's a lot easier for that quarterback to trust and step into what he w- what he should be because he knows every time I got an open receiver. Every time. Like Aaron Rodgers became who he was because when he started, he had Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, um, Ron- Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, these guys. And now, you know, and then after that, he transitioned into Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams. He went right from Jordy Nelson and all these guys to Devontae Adams. He always had a guy he could turn to that he knew was open off the slant or the dig or that, you know what I'm saying? When you have a receiver like that, that you know, no matter what, oh, I looked at my first and second progression, they're not there, this guy's open. Or, oh, he's my hot route, he's open, like, that as a quarterback is so important, especially when you're trying to settle in. It helps so, so much. I'll also say this. I don't know why it took until 2020 for NFL teams to realize, hey, maybe it's a smart idea if I get my super uberly talented franchise-type quarterback, his best friend who plays wide receiver, to go play with them. Because you look at what the Eagles are doing with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, where... Jalen and Devontae played at Alabama together, are good friends, and then AJ and uh, Jalen are childhood friends, pretty much. You look at Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You look at Tua and Jalen Waddle, and then going and getting Tyreek Hill, who Tyreek Hill had a ton of respect for Tua going into that trade. Why it took this long for NFL teams to realize that is beyond me, uh, and I think that's also going to be a trend that continues when the opportunities like see fit for the teams that are finally able to go and get those, you know, young quarterbacks, cough, cough, Detroit Lions, uh, when they go get Bryce Young and they have Jameson, uh, what's his last name? Williams. Jameson Williams. Like, if I'm the Lions with that Rams pick, that's what I'm doing. They're not. I'm saying, if, you, like, if I was in those shoes, like, that's what I'm doing. I'm pairing my eventual, what I feel is my franchise quarterback and this goes for any NFL team. If I already have a guy they played with in college at the wide receiver position, gimme. The, the the Lions are very much homers, and they're going to draft C.J. Stroud, and they're going to wait a few years and draft Michael Harrison Jr. And then they will eventually have that pairing, and you know it'll go from there. And I mean, I'll be actually excited to watch that. And I may same wear, thing. Same. May, may wear same. A little, uh, blue. It's the same. What you call it? Same yeah. concept. And and it's just the matter is. Most teams just don't have that opportunity. That's really what it comes down to. Most of those guys get drafted. They're great wide receivers, and then that team just holds on to them forever because who's giving away a great wide receiver other than the Green Bay Packers? The Tennessee Titans. But, I mean, they, they felt like they were getting the same thing in Robert Woods. We just Well, they thought they were getting the same thing in Traylon Burks. That, too. Well, like, when I say give away, like, we literally just gave away a wide receiver, and we do it consistently. Who wants a wide receiver? You get one, you get one, and you get one too. Titans gave away AJ Brown, and AJ Brown said that in the post game well, press conference today. Like he's had this game circled since the trade. You could tell the emotion that went into this game for him, which is why I think you know he performed the way he did. Uh, you know, this was one of those things that he was ready to show out because he even said it, like, not that it rubbed me the wrong way, but I do want AJ to finally like have that like peace of mind and like that that clarity for himself because he's always said like I thought I was gonna finish I thought I was gonna play in Tennessee forever and it's like 
Now you got your chance. You got your revenge. You performed the way you expected yourself to. Now I just hope AJ is like, okay, I'm focused on the Philadelphia, which I, I think he has been, but I just want him to be in that mindset of like, all right, Philly's my home. I mean, I don't think they really gave him away. Like, there's a there there is a clear difference in giving someone away and like trading someone. They no, traded, they, like they traded them because they were like okay, like they traded them because they didn't want to pay them. Which, if that's in my you, opinion, is giving them away. I mean, if that's what you want to call it, but why pay someone that you feel isn't giving you the production you want? Like, that if the Titans front office thought that AJ Brown was not producing for them in his first three years of his career, they need to or like, sell the team. Or what? I guess like what I'm saying is like. If you feel like your what you're trading is going to give you back the same, then it's fine. Like it's not giving it away. You're trading. You're getting some for giving some. Like that's not giving anything away. You're making a fair trade. We are literally giving receivers away. You want them in free agency? Take them. Don't even give us anything in return. Not a draft pick, no cash, nothing. Have them. That is giving them away. We gave away the best wide receiver in the NFL. We literally gave him away. Took nothing in return for. He was Devontae the flip side of the Titans, Adams. though. We gave them. He didn't want to be there. I, I, no, he he would have resigned. He left because we franchise tagged him. You can't franchise tag the best right receiver in the NFL. That's a ludicrous. And we wonder why the Packers aren't good, because we don't have any receivers. We give them away for nothing. Literally, we give away. We gave away Jordy Nelson for nothing. We gave away my cousin, Greg, to the Vikings for nothing. Donald Driver left for nothing. Randall Cobb went to the Texans for nothing and then came back for nothing. We don't trade or anything. We literally just let him go. Like, at least, like, uh, I guess what I'm saying is they got something in return, so it's not as, like, really giving him away. He can feel like they gave him away because he feels like what they got in return wasn't as good enough. I agree. They should have gotten more. It was a little bit disrespectful in terms of what they got. But they didn't just give them away. I'm just checking uh, an age here. With uh, Burks? Yeah. Yeah. Traylon Burks is 22 and was drafted this year, obviously. A.J. Brown was drafted in 2019 and just turned 25. To not want to pay a guy who has performed the way A.J. Brown has, who you can 100%, I I don't even think there's a debate, A.J. Brown is in the A tier of wide receivers in the NFL and was when he was with the Titans, and he definitely is now that he's with the Eagles and doing what he's doing. You traded away that guy because you were being cheap. You didn't want to pay him. You know you're going to have to figure out your your entire team. But if I'm if I'm a front office executive, Derrick Henry's getting older. He's going to be a free agent after next season. You hope you have your franchise quarterback in Malik Willis. You don't know that though, because uh, Tannehill's also off the books in 2023 for them. Uh, you're going to move on from Taylor Lewan because he's injury prone and you can just void that contract. If I'm starting a, a rebirth of a franchise in terms of just like getting younger, you already have young on your team. 
the fact that they just gave AJ Brown away in that sense because they didn't want to pay him because they're terrified of everything that's to come in terms of just the way the team is going to go. It, it just makes me laugh. And AJ Brown doing what he did today just solidified that like the Eagles have won that trade tenfold. It almost sounds like a sign of respect. I don't talk, think so. like, like the, when you sound when you spell it out like that. Oh, AJ Brown, we are about to fucking suck. So here, go be great with the Eagles. That's exactly what it just sounded like you said, pretty much. I, I like, don't. I would much rather. As a receiver, please send me somewhere I'm going to be great if your team. But for how ass. it went down, it was massive disrespect from people I know that cover the Titans, like directly that I like talked to after it happened and everything. Like AJ Brown was like blindsided on draft night with that happening. I mean, it's a business, though. That's part of the business. Everybody For gets, sure, and he like, said that recently, too. He's like, that. I've had to learn, like, you know, it's a business and everything. And, like, that's why I'm hoping, like, this game happening the way that it did, the way he performed, now he can kind of have, like, that sense of clarity. And it's like, okay, that chapter's over, and now I'm just moving forward, midnight green, rocking out with the Eagles, and I don't have to worry about Tennessee anymore. Like, I'm just like, I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm just saying it's soft to think that way. Really, that's all I'm saying. Like, it's, it's also young. You you just you just being in your feelings about it. Like, you got traded to a better scenario, and you're upset. Like, that's how I'm looking at it, truly. And in all respects, in any way you could have looked at it, in any way you shape up last year to this year, in the moves and everything, the Eagles situation looks ten times better than the oh, Tennessee Oh, 100% agree. So, like, I don't eat. No matter how they said it to you, how they did it to you, anything, you went from a worse situation to a better. You should be happy. I I can get where he's coming from, though, with it because it's the first team you ever play with. You're going to value that more more than anything in your career. It's it's the team that gave you your opportunity to live out your dream to do what you want to do. You get drafted super young like he did. I think he was 21 when he was drafted. And you go into it naive. Like, you go in – I think any – you know, freshly drafted player that is as talented as AJ Brown or talent, more talented is going to go into it being like, okay, this is like my home now. Like I'm going to be here. You made it out of, you know, whatever situation you may be in. And AJ, I feel like viewed the Tennessee Titans as like, from his perspective, looking at the organization was like, okay, I'm like one of the faces of this franchise, which I think you ask anybody before he got traded to the Eagles. You think of the Tennessee Titans, you think Derrick Henry, you think Ryan Tannehill, and you think A.J. Brown. Those are the three guys, for me, that come to mind when I thought of the Titans over the last three years. And then for everything to happen the way it did, you see other wide receivers getting paid the way that they were getting paid. You see what A.J. Brown has done in his career uh, over the the first three years of his career, just numbers-wise and helping the Titans clinch a number one seed, helping the Titans break their playoff drought as a part of, you know, that core, I can understand why he felt disrespected. And I think it's a a good learning moment for him now, too, that this happened just for his career in general, that it's like, okay, now I'm understanding the business side now that I'm a little bit older than I was coming out uh, of Ole Miss, I think is where he went to college. Mm -hmm. And now he's in a a situation where he's going to be able to thrive. Everybody in Philadelphia fucking loves the shit out of you. And we finally have the two, like the best wide receiver tandem in my lifetime the Eagles have ever had. And he's a part of that. Yes. There's been no better wide receiver tandem in my lifetime 
watching Eagles football than AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Who was with T.O. when he was exactly? There? No, like I, I gen- no, no, that was like a genuine question because like I don't. <sighs> James I don't Thrash, know. five foot eight, James no, Thrash. I, yeah, yeah. Freddie Mitchell, <laughs> Todd Pinkston, Alligator Arms, Todd Pinkston. You don't earn that nickname for nothing. <laughs> the greatest thing Freddie Mitchell ever did was fourth and twenty six, and that was it. And then I think he got arrested for tax fraud. I want to say, uh, yeah. Tia was like. Holy shit, it's finally nice to have a wide receiver. That was like the first memory of a wide receiver I ever had. And then we got, after that, we had the the beginning stages, and then Chip Kelly ruined it, of what could have been a dynamic duo of Deshaun and Jeremy Macklin, and then Chip ruined that. Um, and then we got like the last good year of Alshon Jeffrey's career. Paired with tail end of Tory Smith's career and Nelson Aguilar, who had a career year the year we won the Super Bowl. But uh, other than that, like that year for Nelson Aguilar makes it look like a blip on the radar for his career as a whole. Um, outside of like the one random year with the Raiders where like the only thing he did was just score touchdowns for them. He didn't really do anything else. Yeah. I, um, I actually remember that. But like duo playing and like growing together wise, like, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are going to go down as, like, the tandem that will be here for, like, what we hope is the majority of their career. Could have been that with Deshaun and Jeremy Macklin, no, but I mean, thanks, Chip. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Thanks, um, Chip. And I think Quez Watkins is, like, a budding, like, very solid wide receiver three. He got injured in this game, too, but it doesn't sound like he's going to miss any significant time. That thing could have been way worse with a shoulder injury, which would have been devastating for this team right now with Dallas Goddard being out. Um, but it looks like Quez isn't going to miss much time at all, if any. So that's very positive. Um, switching gears. It's brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer, the number one light lager. In Philadelphia, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia, one of the partners for our live tailgate series that's coming to you from the tailgate lots this Philly season. First one, April 8th, 2023, for opening night against the Cincinnati Reds. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use that Kenny tracker that's all new and improved to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. The winter meetings are underway And Rob Thompson in an interview with, and I want to get this correct, it's in the article from Destiny Legardo from Phillies Nation. Uh, Rob Thompson was speaking at the London, Ontario Sports Association on November 29th, so about a week ago, I want to say, if my math is mathing. Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. Yeah, so about a week ago. Shout out. Um, (laughs) He was speaking there, and... He casually mentioned that he was flying to Atlanta on November 30th, so the next day. Uh, We all know one of the core four members of this shortstop class that's in Atlanta is Dansby Swanson. Uh, And the Phillies have had active interest in all four of the the big-name shortstops. And apparently the Cubs, according to John Morosi from MLB Network, have also had uh, active interest on Dansby Swanson. 
Uh, but it's Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Xander Bogart, Stansby Swanson. Obviously, you all know we're on hashtag Trey Watch. Um, but Destiny wrote a very fascinating article about the Dansby Swanson stuff. Uh, and, you know, everybody kind of knows Dansby's like the fourth best option of those three, even though he is, I think, the youngest of them all. Um, he's just not at the talent caliber of Trey Turner, Xander, and Carlos Correa. He's still very, very good. Um, me personally, I think, I think Dansby started off as a second baseman I want to say and moved to shortstop when he got called up by the Braves I could have that wrong but you don't um everyone's expecting Xander to get over 200 million dollars Correa could get 300 million Trey Turner could be around 300 million um but in like the 250 to 300 million range and then people think Dancy's gonna fall in like the 150 to 180 million dollar range from things I've seen and what Destiny writes here um you know, he's durable. He rarely gets injured. He started every game at shortstop for the Braves in 2022 outside of the season finale. And he hasn't been on the IL since 2019. Um, he's also the best defender and most likely to stay at shortstop for the duration of any contract that's given to these four guys. And while it's strange to say a good defender up the middle isn't the best fit on a Phillies roster that could use improvement on the defensive side. Dansby's offensive track record does not warrant a pricey long-term commitment. Uh, 2022, his season, he slashed 277, 329, 447 with 25 home runs, 96 RBI. Um, don't know what that's for. Just got a YouTube comment. Um, you know, and while it was considered good, he was a good defender at shortstop last year. Um, he took home his first gold glove. It was like a career year. And you expect a lot of that, especially in baseball. Uh, when these talented guys are in a contract year, they're going to hopefully perform, you know, well above their career averages. Um, but he's a streaky hitter. That's the last thing the Phillies need right now in this lineup that has Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins, uh, who are, you know, the Kings of streaks. Um, and, you know, he had a, an OPS below 700 in 12 months uh, in which he had played at least 20 games since 2017. And to compare that, Reese Hoskins had six. So you want to think Reese Hoskins is streaky with on-base plus slugging percentage? Double that and you've got Dansby Swanson. Uh, more than double. And Carlos Correa had seven. Xander Bogarts had two. Trey Turner has one. Uh, so, I mean... Very interesting stuff here from Destiny. She said it would be reasonable if his cost was around 80 to $100 million, but in the market that has the other three, that's not going to happen. Somebody's going to overpay. I think it will be the Cubs if he doesn't go back to the Braves. Um, so she said if the Phillies do strike out with Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, and Xander Bogarts, it may be wise to give Gene Segura a contract similar to Didi Gregorius' two-year $28 million deal signed before 2021 and use the money saved on pitching. While Segura has durability concerns, he may be the most underrated free agent on the market. He's a plus defender at second base and has steadily improved since his first season with the Phillies in 2019. Stott and Segura have worked well as a double play pairing as well. It's not a bad backup plan for the Phillies, who seem hell-bent uh, on paying up for a shortstop this season, or this offseason. I mean, you all know we love Gene Segura here, especially me, because I was like the first one to break the news that Gene Segura was getting traded to the Phillies back in the 2018 going into 2019 season. Um, 
with that famous video we always tweet. I completely agree with Destiny's assessment there. Like, if you're not going to get Trey Turner, which I still think, like, don't get it twisted. I think the Phillies are going to end up with Trey Turner. I think there's just a lot of, like, that offseason positioning from agents and stuff like that. It's like, oh, Trey's meeting with this team to kind of, like, drive the price up, get the engagement up on his player, get as many, uh, you know, active bidders in the market for a guy like that. If, but if you strike out on those three, which I, again, don't see Dave Dombrowski striking out on those three whatsoever. If, like, he doesn't get Trey, he's going to go get Xander, who he had in Boston. Um, I think I would rather have Gene Segura, though, over Tansby Swanson. Because the streaky hitting cannot be added to this lineup already of streaky hitters. You know that all too well with Javi Baez coming into the fold, who swings at balls that bounce off the home home base. Um, but like Gene Segura is like a, a very solid contact hitter. He was fantastic in the playoffs for the most part. Had ups and downs, but like when he had the downs, the ups came like almost immediately after. He's a good vibes guy in the locker room. I feel like every single guy loves Gene Segura on this team, and if he's back, he's back, and I think that's fantastic. But overall, I still think the Phillies end up getting Trey Turner, um, and I'm getting absolutely like bombarded on Twitter because I quote tweeted uh, a Padres reporter, I think, or something about uh, them being interested in uh, a shortstop, and a you know they they were apparently going after Jose Abreu, who Matt and I talked about last episode, going to the Astros. And they were kind of heartbroken. He ended up in Houston, the Padres were. Uh, then uh, Joel Sherman went on to say that there's not really another first baseman that the Padres love, and they can just move Jake Cronenworth over to first base if they get a shortstop. So I was like, so the Padres are done with Fernando Tatis Jr., who's a shortstop. Manny Machado is your third baseman. Like, So they're just done with Tatis, and everybody's like, what? Huh? What? I mean from the way that the Padres locker room sounded when Tatis got suspended, you would think the locker room was done with them. Right. Um, but I, I don't understand the positioning that the Padres are going in with trying to get one of these shortstops. But again, the Phillies are meeting with all four of these guys over the next week or so. I'd be stunned if Trey Turner is not a Philly. You think so? I, I truly think like, the Phillies have positioned themselves quite well over the past couple of off seasons where like you kind of like pick up on who they're really targeting. Obviously the first one was Bryce Harper or even going back a year before that first year of the pot, it was Jake Arrieta that ended up happening. Then it was Bryce Harper. Then it was Zach Wheeler. Then this past off season, it was Kyle Schwarber who they were, you know, heavily linked to, especially with all the connections to Dombrowski. And then, we kind of positioned it that way where we were like, man, we'd love to have Nick Castellanos on this team. And then we kept putting that out there a little bit. And then as the off season went on, it was like, do the Phillies pull the trigger on getting Nick Castellanos? And like their name kept getting brought up. And then it was Phillies and Marlins. He's from Florida. Does he go home or does he go to the Phillies? Ends up coming to the Phillies. I, I think it's one of those things where like immediately, as soon as the off season started, everyone was like, Oh, there's there's like public knowledge that Trey Turner wants to go to Philadelphia. He wants to go back east. He's he said that since you know last off season where he wanted to go to a team that trains in Florida because he's from there. Phillies, Clearwater, obviously in Florida. Um, he's best friends with Bryce Harper. That plays a, a huge aspect, and I think now too. And Matt and I talked about this after the season ended. Like with the Phillies going to the World Series. They're now a destination. 
like players will want to come play here because they'll feel like they are that piece that helps put them over the top. And I think Trey Turner is one of those guys. He's one of the best players in baseball over the last five, six, seven years who can take a team and be that final missing piece to put you over the top. I think the same for Xander Bogarts, too. Do y'all have the price point? Well, I guess it doesn't matter because it's MLB. It's baseball. There's no real cap. There's just a luxury tax. And John Middleton, I think we've talked about this, too, where years past it was like, oh, they don't want to go over the luxury tax. You could go over and, like, we could win. Doing that last offseason when you went and signed Nick Castellanos to a $100 million contract when you were right on the cusp of the threshold – I think was like, okay, John Middleton wants to win now and like doesn't care what it's going to cost, what it's going to take to win. And now that you've had guys like Syndergaard, Kyle Gibson, Zach Eflin, um, and like two other guys were Gene Segura, like their contracts are off the books now. So you have that money open to spend. And I think Trey Turner is going to get like $280 million will be like the, the max that he'll end up getting on the contract. I think the Phillies can write that check tomorrow and feel great about having Trey Turner through the remainder of his prime. You know, you sign him to a seven, eight-year contract for $280 million, you're going to have five to six years of prime Trey Turner playing shortstop for you. And the Phillies have desperately lacked shortstop defensive, like, supremacy outside of, like, two years of Freddie Galvis after Jimmy Rollins was traded. But since Jimmy Rollins, the Phillies have not had a franchise shortstop just like they haven't had a franchise center fielder until what we hope is going to be Brandon Marsh since Shane Victorino left um but like Trey Turner like if they miss out on Trey Turner I'll, I'll be genuinely surprised because I think John Middleton and Dave Dombrowski are at the point where it's like okay we're gonna do whatever it takes to win especially like getting to the World Series I think like accelerates like those feelings it definitely helps, and not even just in terms of wanting to, but guys coming and playing. And I mean, I think the Phillies have a good chance. It's just a matter of the money becomes enticing. And baseball seems to be one of those sports where money does become an influencer, like a little bit more of an influencer than other places. The only team I really see pushing that envelope in this scenario is Boston. Possibly losing out on Xander Bogarts, wanting to either get Xander back or have someone of the same stature, which is pretty much Trey Turner or Xander when you're looking at this group. Like those two are, are probably the top two. Not probably I wouldn't even say probably. They are the top two in this group. If you can't have one, you probably want the other. So I could see Boston pushing the issue and, and trying to push the tag up and and wanting, you know, going hard for Trey Turner because they're like, okay, we're not getting Xander back. So you want 300 you want 350 Like I think the know. thing with Boston, but, though, if they're not going to re-sign Xander because he's, like, their guy, Boston's in a situation where they've obviously traded Mookie Betts away for pennies on the dollar. They didn't extend Xander Bogarts when they had multiple opportunities to do it. And they're on the precipice of also losing Rafael Devers because they're cheap. 
Um, and I mean, the ownership group is in the process of trying to sell Liverpool as well. Um, go listen to top bins, but I don't think Xander's going back. I think the Red Sox are ready to just blow that whole thing up and start anew. And they're going to be in a, a very long rebuild. Um, I, I think the Padres thing is, is just weird to me again. Like they keep getting mentioned in hosting these shortstops. And I think, I think it's just posturing by the agents. I don't really know if the Padres are truly in on a shortstop like that. I don't see why they would. I think the Padres more so need like, uh, more like outfield help than anything. Like obviously they got Juan Soto and everything, but mm-hmm. I think, they they have other and you know pitching needs to be a priority for them uh across the board like they have guys but they have some older guys and like they traded away a lot of prospect guys to go get Juan Soto and get guys at the deadline I mean I think Correa ends up going back to the Twins if I had to put a guess on it I think he just signs a a larger long-term contract with them um and then like Xander and Trey Turner are the interesting ones I mean like the Dodgers are going to end up losing Trey Turner, but they're just a machine and can replace guys at will. So you, you never know what prospect is looming for them to replace somebody with. Um, but I do think the Phillies end up with one of those two guys. I think it's Trey Turner's priority number one. And then they true the, the Phillies also, like, they need to get this Trey Turner deal done as soon as possible just to get him, like, here – it's a World Baseball Classic year, and he's on the USA squad, so like, you're going to not have him for parts of spring training. So just get the contract done sooner rather than later so he can go train in Clearwater, get this thing rolling, and then you can prioritize uh, going and getting another starting starting pitcher to really posture yourself to, to have a solid rotation because you obviously have your big three of Wheeler, Nola, Ranger, Suarez. You're anticipating Andrew Painter being called up at some point this year, I think, would be the the call there, which I think a lot of Phillies fans are just, like, forgetting that Andrew Painter exists. Like, he's going to be a, a rock star in this rotation. Um, so I think the Phillies are banking on him being, like, the number five starter at some point this year. But you need to go and get a fourth, like, stud pitcher, especially now that Eflin went to Tampa, uh, and I'm very excited for him, like, deserves it 110 percent glad he gets to go home and pitch as well uh largest free agent contract in tampa bay race history which was only 40 million dollars <laughs> that's kind of wild yeah cheapest team in the league right um but i mean looking here let's see yeah and i mean p abraham who covers the red sox uh for the boston globe and also covered the phillies at one point he said uh on Sunday, two sources say Xander Bogarts has been meeting in person with interested teams this weekend and that the Red Sox have not made a competitive offer. My question was, have they screwed this up? The answer was yes. Fixable, maybe, but not looking very good right now. I've said since they didn't offer him the extension that like Xander was all but gone from the Red Sox to begin with. Um, so we'll see what happens there. And then, I mean, Jacob deGrom leaving the Mets. Lowell Mets continues. Signs a five-year deal with the Rangers of all teams. Um, also found it very funny that Sal Licata from SNY uh, said there's <laughs> there's the only thing that makes it easier for Mets fans. 
uh, is that he wanted to leave. He chose the Texas Rangers, who won 68 ball games a year ago. He doesn't care about winning. He doesn't care about having his number up there. Uh, to remind everybody, Salakai is also the guy from SNY TV who declared the NL East over on Memorial Day. We all know what happened in the NL East. <laughs> the Mets lost the division. <laughs> so take what, yep. take whatever Salakata says with a grain of salt. Um, but I also think that... But, I mean, that does sound like he wanted to leave. I also think it was... Uh, from what I, like, saw from around, like, the people I follow who cover Major League Baseball, it was a... Uh, it was a tax thing because there's no income tax in Texas. There and are, I mean, there, there are other places that don't have income tax. He's also from, uh, he's from Georgia. So it's like closer to home. There are other places that <laughs> don't have income tax. Yeah. Tampa Bay was not going to sign Jacob to ground to a five year, $185 million contract. I'm not saying that <laughs> either, but I'm just saying one. I'm just happy. He picked he picked a bad team. Well, I'll say this. I think the Rangers will be better than what they were last year because they actually have a good manager. Now they hired Bruce Bochy, uh, and you don't hire Bruce Bochy unless you expect to win and getting Jake, Jacob DeGrom, like that's going to help you, but it helps, yeah. he's also got to stay healthy. That contract's going to be horrendous in like three years. Uh, cause People forget Jacob DeGrom is 35 years old. Uh, he was a late bloomer, is what they call it in the business. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I'm just happy. One, Mets fans are sad. Their entire super rotation of 2016 is now gone. And two of them are on the Phillies. Uh, I hope Cindergaard's back at least. But Zach Wheeler's here. Um, he didn't. And the biggest portion is like the early rumors back early in the season when all of Jacob deGrom's free agency stuff was popping up is like oh it's the Atlanta Braves the Atlanta Braves are going to sign Jay I'm just happy he didn't go to the Atlanta Braves because Jesus Christ if they signed Jacob deGrom I that would have been me but he's in the American League on a team that he won't even that team won't even win the division because it's the same division as the Houston Astros thanks Jake you're a real one I tell I'm telling you, man. Sixty-eight games, that's bad. That yeah, it was they, it was definitely that a, means they almost lost hundred games. Down year for They almost lost hundred games. You gotta try and do that. Oh, this is even better. This is even better. Ken Rosenthal on December first put an article out about Trey Turner pretty much and uh Destiny Legardo, shout out. Quote to me, Trey Turner's wife's from New Jersey. That's all I needed to hear, too. That's all oh I needed to know. My. That's all I needed to know. No, no, no. I'm just Let's saying. See, did anybody comment? Don't put your hopes up, just in case. Just in case. Somebody said he's going to the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are delusional. How did y'all find out his wife's from Jersey? I think it was in the article. How does she find out? Well, it's Ken Rosenthal's article. Ken Rosenthal knows all. He's he's basically the the Schefter of. And how do you think Schefter be knowing stuff? Schefter be in the know, man. Schefter got that insider eye. Just crazy. He's crazy. All up in people's business. Leave them folks alone. <laughs> Leave them folks alone. It's Let probably also like public knowledge. 
I'm let's gonna, see. Let's I'm go sure to if you look up his wife, her Trey name's gonna Turner. pop up. And I'm just gonna look at Trey Turner's Wikipedia and just see. Yeah, and you can click on his wife, and it's gonna say she's from Kristen Aberdeen. North Carolina State. That's where they went to college. See? See? Oh, you might be proving my point here. She was in Sports Illustrated. She was in the faces in the crowd of Sports Illustrated. Like the, uh, remember in, in when you get Sports Illustrated back in the day and they had like the, I think it was high school. It was either high school or college athletes. And it was like the one page and it was like six like headshots of like different style of sport. She was one of them. So that's probably where it was. You think these folks wouldn't look for that for real? Well, that's where it probably first became public knowledge. Yeah. Let's see. It's probably, I'm just saying, why, why are y'all doing all that? Why? You know what we wanted when Javi Baez came? We just asked for him. And then he came. Because that's how he goes. If they want to come, they want to come. All that other stuff don't matter. Bro, don't you matter. don't understand how big of sickos we are. I know. When, I, I'm realizing. When Bryce day, was signing day here. Day. When Bryce was signing here, we were tracking John Middleton's plane routes. <laughs> day by day, I'm realizing y'all are fucking lunatics. Yeah. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Y'all need to leave these people alone and let them have their lives. Let them have their lives. Hey, they can track our flights, too. They yeah, just choose not yeah, to. Yeah, they got time to do that. They just choose not to. I don't even think your flight is public knowledge. Yeah, it is. You want to put it out? You going to put it out there for it to be public knowledge? Hey, if I had to, I would. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my flights are public knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfuckers knew you landed at 3 a.m. on Friday morning. <laughs> Facts. They looked up in the sky and said, oh, that's that Frontier plane. Man. Because who else was in the sky that late? <laughs> Nobody. Man. Crazy. <laughs> I'm still mad about that. <laughs> oh, this was a comment about uh, the watch along. Interesting. That stayed up, didn't it? Afterwards. The live stream? Yeah. yeah. Go check that out if you haven't. Uh, we live streamed first OTB cast, uh, Philadelphia Wings. Shout out. Uh, not a great night, but great team nonetheless. Great organization. Uh, we comment on YouTube. Go subscribe. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia from John Emmanuel Ramos Henderson. What a name. All caps. What a historic first, gentlemen. Three exclamation points. Thanks for bringing lacrosse to a global audience for this historic first NLL watch party. I'm a Riptide fan, but I'm ready to watch these games to give lacrosse and the NLL a chance. Influencers. You heard, th- you heard it welcome. here first. I'm an influencer now. <laughs> I mean, this is basically what we're going to be doing with the Phillies, too. Just live tailgate versions podcast and uh i'm excited for that excited for more nll stuff which you guys can go check out otb later this week tb and uh i think that's everything in the philly sports space 
Matt and I will be talking Survivor Wednesday night at the end of the show, like the real sickos. And um, I'll get your opinion on this too, Deej, as an outsider looking in. Obviously, you see the three icons on the uh, the layout here on YouTube. Obviously, Gritty, because Gritty was introduced the year we started the podcast. Bryce was Bryce. And then Mike Scott is the homie. If Jalen Hurts wins the MVP, does Jalen Hurts become the eagle that is on the layout? Why is it not Jason Kelsey? Valid. That's my first question. Valid. But That's why I asked. I guess that's my answer. <laughs> but also, we have like real estate down here because I've been smart. You know, you have space. Could add more people. You never know. Comment down on YouTube who you think should be on the layout. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. I mean, I feel like the Fanatic should be on here. I think those are the two the two mascots that deserve the uh, the spots. And then uh, we'll take it from there. But that's what we got for you guys. Make sure you follow us on the socials at Underground PHI. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash underground sports phi twitch.tv slash underground sports phi follow dj on twitter at scs underscore next great follow me at kbizzl311 follow matt at matt castarina subscribe to the podcast feed on apple spotify leave those five star ratings and reviews it truly does go a long way helps more people find the show gets us involved in the algorithm gets us on the charts and that's how we make this show that much better than it already is so go subscribe leave a five star review and uh, in the review, let us know if you think Jalen Hurts is the MVP. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Subscribe. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon. Comment down below your thoughts on everything we discussed on the episode tonight. And uh, be a friend. Tell a friend. Share the YouTube channel with your people. We're at 319 or 318, I mean, subscribers, I think. 319. 319. Let's go. It's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Height count. Um, so, yeah, we need to get 2,000 subscribers. And we need to get there quicker. Quicker and quicker. I still am of the belief, DG, even though we only have ugh, 26 days left of 2022. I think we can get to 400 subscribers. So, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Be a friend, tell a friend, share it with your people. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Douche Charms, no longer with us. Sad. I wish I could buy that building, uh, but I can't. But Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. This has been episode number 487 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Go get your merch as well, phiapparel.co, code underground for 10% off. Hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this, shout out to Tyler, our merch partner extraordinaire for PHI Apparel Company. Hopefully by the time you guys are listening or watching this, uh, all the new merch for the new capsule will be live in our storefront on the website. So go check it out, PHI Apparel Company. It's phiapparel.co. 
But this has been episode number 487 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Deej, I'm KB. We're about to take our asses to the airport. So if you see us, say hello. You won't because this won't be up by the time this is happening. So till Wednesday night with myself and Matt, we are getting the heck out of here. Peace. Peace.